0: So much, Jen, for, for sharing that song. I'm an empty page. I'm an open book. do you write your story on my heart? Beautiful words. And it's more than, than just a sentiment that we come in here today because that's the thing that we ask God to do when, when we come into a relationship with Him. Is that, that He takes our story. And it's not just about our story, it's his story. And we get to be a part of his his story. We get to be a part of the legacy that he's leaving. Because you know what's the the absolutely incredible thing about story is that your story is like a blip. And in the grand scope of eternity, your story is, is is a dot on a page of a greater story that's taking place, but that story is so incredibly significant. I've just seldom mastered the, the language of English, so I don't pretend to know other languages, but I do know this, I do know that in Hebrew that the slightest stroke of a pen can change the entire meaning of a word. And so when we talk about your story, and the importance of your story, the way that you live it out, it matters because it's not about you. It's not about just your story. It's what God can do in His story as your story joins His. In our first service this morning, we, we sang a, a classic hymn. It's a, it's a song called It Is Well With My Soul. And I've shared the story behind this hymn on a couple of different occasions. If you don't know it, I want to share it with you here the, this morning. Um, the, the, the author of this hymn, uh, he, was a, he was a businessman. He uh, was taking care of some business uh, during the, uh, the, the time of, of, uh, of the, the Great Chicago Fire, lost everything in his fire, in the fire, um, went to relocate to England. Uh, he sent his wife and daughters ahead of him. And there was a shipwreck His daughters died. And on his way following, as his boat got to the place where his daughter's boat sank, where they lost their lives, he penned the words, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, whatever my lot, Thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. Friends, there's, there's only the ability to say it is well in the face of tragedy when we acknowledge that our story is not about us to begin with. And the beautiful thing that we've been talking about here over the last six weeks, and, and this is the last time that you're going to hear about this for a while, um, because this is the last message in this, in this series we've been, we've been talking about finding our fit in the church and asking those questions of what is the church, why do we exist, how do we exist together, and what are the non-negotiables that we have? And it is only when, it is only when our story intersects with the story of God that we come to life in, in, in being the thing that, that God has created for us to be. And we simply can't afford to do anything other then be the thing that God has set us out to be. Otherwise, we're just, we're wasting our time. We're spinning our wheels. It's kind of like we're, we're stuck in the mud and we're just, just spinning and spinning and, and it's just gone. But there are parameters that we have to operate within if we're going to be identified as the church, and they're very, very simple things. And I know as soon as we start talking about parameters and things, as soon as we start talking boundaries, I know the first, the, the first pushback is, but that's so restrictive. But I've got to tell you, there's an incredible freedom that there is when you understand who it is and what it is that God has called us to be as his bride or as the church. And those four boundaries are these. The first is it's a love for God. It's, that's the foundation of everything. Uh, it's a love for God. You know who God is, and the, everything you do is out of a response to understanding who he is. The, the second part it's kind of the, the roof of this. It's love for people. It is, it is the thing that we just, we need to have an astronomical amount of it, but the problem is that we can only have that if we understand who God is. If we have, unless we have that foundation, we can't build on anything. We really can't love people unless we see them through the lens of the way that God sees them. And the things that hold that up, the first is being transformed by the Holy Spirit. The, the first aspect of this is in order for us to even be able to start loving God, be able to start loving people, we have to surrender. Say, hey, you know what? I can't do this. I can't do this on my own. I may have an intellectual understanding of what this looks like, but capability-wise, man, I'm selfish. I'm lazy. I, I, look out for, I look out for number one. That's, that's, the, that's the natural Damien. But the Damien that's transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit is, is, is somebody that, that loves God and loves people and that wants what God wants for me, not what I want for me. The same is true for you. And then the last part of that is making disciples. We're all making disciples. We're all making followers of somebody or something. We're all, we're all training other people up to do something. So a couple of years back, and, and for those of you who have uh, have kind of stuck here through the transition, and and, uh, and you know me, you know that I'm a I'm a video gamer. I love video games. Uh, so a couple of years back, uh, I was playing a game that was it's it's a a massive multiplayer online game. So there are other hundreds and millions of other people that are playing this this game, and I was a part of a group, and I was what was known as a class leader within this group of of people. It was my responsibility to make sure that everybody that was a part of my class knew how to do their job. It was my responsibility to make sure that when it came to the end game, when it came to the things that we would do at the end of of the, the progression of all of this stuff, I needed to make sure that everybody was ready for the end game. The reason we're talking about this stuff with the church, the reason why we're asking these questions of of existence and purpose, and the reason we're doing that is because we need to be ready for the end game. We need to be ready for what God has called us to do and who he's called us to be. And we can settle for nothing less we're gonna be spending our entire morning in a, in a singular piece of scripture here because I believe that it is the one that is really the capstone. If there was ever a piece that, w- that encompasses this entire idea of who we are as the church and how we find our fit within it, it's Colossians chapter three. And before we go there, we're gonna pray. Father God, we thank you that, uh, that we have this time to be able to, uh, to spend... Together, God would you sharpen us through this may we not just endure a service God may we not just be in this place because it's a Sunday morning and typically that's what we've done but God we get to be here with you and with each other and there's something beautiful that happens when we come together and we break open your word together so Holy Spirit we pray that you'd have your way that you would speak to us the things that we need to hear. Maybe not what we want to hear, but what we need to hear this morning. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this book, Colossians, is wrote to a particular group of people, and it's written by a a guy named Paul, and and we're gonna go ahead and dive in here. Since then, this is uh, Colossians chapter three, starting in verse one. Since then... Those are two words, actually, that, that, that make you ask a question of, like, what are, what, are we, what are we getting at here? Like, why is it that, what is this in reference to? This entire book leading up to, to this point within Colossians is talking about the supremacy of Christ. It's talking about his, his authority, and it's talking about the, the freedom that we have as we cling to his authority, and, uh, and so in light of those things, since then, since then, in light of, uh, of his death and his resurrection, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above not earthly things. It's so easy to get distracted. It's, it's so easy, uh, it's so easy to, to be like pinpoint focused on the here and the now. It's so easy for us to be like laser focused in like these are my circumstances and these are the things that I've handed and, they, and circumstances kind of put the blinders on and they only allow us to see the thing that is right in front of us but, but Paul admonishes us in the thing that is the thing that's going to bring so much freedom as we look at our circumstances and we look at the things that are in the media because we're starting to then look at things that are above and things that are to come and things, things that are, are those hopes that we have out there. Well, everything right now in the immediate may seem bleak. There is always hope. No matter how fast the darkness comes, the sun also rises. And when the Son of God sucker punches death on the third day and wins, game over, we win. Our our biggest enemy is defeated. And so if we have been raised with Christ, If there is this resurrection that is taking place in us, it must mean, one, that something has to die. If there is going to be resurrection, it means that something either has died or has to die. We're gonna get there in a little bit. But set your mind and set your heart on things above. Because I gotta tell you, if you haven't experienced it already, there are things in this world that will disappoint you. They will break down. They will not live up to the expectation. It's, it's like that, that movie or that video game or that book or the, whatever that thing is that you're looking forward to and you bought into all the hype. And it's just, it's a letdown. And it doesn't quite live up to the standard that you hoped it had, but when you set your, th- your mind and you set your heart on things above, the things that are here, the material things, it really doesn't matter. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter because in the grand scheme of things, in the eternal scheme of things, we don't bring the bank account with us, we don't bring the cars with us, we don't bring the stuff with us, we just bring us before Christ. Set your minds on things above, they're eternal things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. There's hope. There's hope in resurrection. There's hope in that this is not all. There is. That's the hope of the believer. The hope of the believer is, you know what? You can do whatever you want to me. You, you can call me names, you can abuse me, you can, you, can, you can torture me, you can do whatever you want, but you can't touch my soul, because it's on things above and it will be resurrected with Christ. And then Paul gets into this statement where he kind of defines, okay, so what is died? One needs to die in order that we be resurrected. Put to death, therefore, in light of putting our minds and our hearts on things above, in light of the better things, in light of the better things, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Now this isn't a really popular thing to talk about, this, uh, this statement of, of, of God having wrath, like we, like we like a loving God, we like, we like the, the warm fuzzies, and the, we, like, we love grace, we sung about grace this morning. Amazing things, the love of God is incredible. It is absolutely incredible, His grace is so good. but if somebody murdered your son, would you not hate the act? If, if, somebody, if somebody abused your child, would you not be furious? Sin nailed Jesus to a cross. Jesus experienced I think in one of the most dangerous moments in all of human history Jesus experienced separation from himself he experienced the crushing weight of the wrath of God on the cross (laughs) bless you (laughs) Jesus experienced this thing and, and and Guys, I gotta tell you, God still hates sin because it's a reminder of what happened to Jesus. Now, God loves us. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, God God loves you. He has so much love and so much grace and so much compassion for us. But man, sin, sin sent his boy to an execution. And I'm not a dad but there are younger people in my life that I really love. If somebody took Connor and somebody beat Connor up and murdered Connor, (laughs) sorry, dude, (laughs) you're in my periphery, so (laughs) them's the brakes, buddy. But no, you get what I'm saying, Like like I'd be furious I'd be absolutely furious about that act. And somebody or something would need to pay. And the wrath of God was poured out against sin. God hates sin, but you gotta understand, it's not because he's been drinking the Haterade all day. It's because if somebody did that to your boy, how would you feel? Yet Jesus, in one of the most remarkable acts of love from the cross, as he's unjustly tried, has made a mockery, the justice has made a mockery of, he looks out of the crowd and says, Father, forgive them. They don't know. They don't know what they're doing. I think they knew exactly what they were doing. They were killing him. But yet Jesus, in his ultimate compassion, says, forgive them. This is how it's going down. We do this, we defeat death. We do this, we defeat sin. I'm the perfect sacrifice for it. Let's do this. Now I have to ask you a question. If you have been shown exceptional kindness and generosity like that, what is, your, what is the appropriate response to that? the appropriate response is not continually going back to the thing that created or that committed that heinous act. It, it, it's it's kind of like this. And, and, and we're gonna read on here a second, but it, it's, it's kind of like this jacket. Like, let's say, let's say this jacket is, is the sin and it's the thing that I've put to death. Why would I put on a corpse? Honestly, like corpse jacket, like why would you do that? The God of the universe sends his son in the greatest act of love and compassion and the thing that nails him to the cross are the sinful acts, the things that separate us from God and from each other. So why do we like the corpse so much? Kinda stinks. Therefore, whatever you whatever belongs to the earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. That's a very final statement. Like that's past tense. You once were there. You did walk in that. There's an acknowledgement that yes, this is the past. This is what there was. But now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy. Some actually, some translations say abusive language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Since you've taken off the old self, the old self is off. You put on the new self. Anybody, anybody ever watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? Anybody grow up on, on that? A couple, of, a couple of you guys, you know, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. You know, and as he, would, as he would come in, you know, he would come in and he'd take his coat off and he'd put it on the coat hanger and he'd go to the closet and he'd take out the cardigan and... It's a beautiful day for a neighbor would you be mine and you know, he's putting the, the cardigan on and he changes out of his his shoes into his into his house shoes and 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 just that really really gentle nature of Mr. Rogers such a beautiful beautiful picture there but it's kind of like that where it's we take off the old self we get rid of it we throw it away never to return to that because why would you wanna come back to a corpse? Why would you do that? It's just sick, it's wrong. Like why would you, you wanna do that? Since you have taken off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in knowledge in the image of its creator. There's such a beautiful picture of transformation that's here. And this is transformation that only happens when we allow those things which separate us from God and separate us in relationship with others. It's only then when we put those things to death, we allow those things to be crucified with Christ that we can be raised to new life and better life. And here's the newness here. Since you're being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator, here this is the beautiful thing here there is no greek or jew circumcised or uncircumcised barbarian scythian slave or free but all is but christ is all and is in all you know throughout this series we've been looking at uh we've been following the journey of a guy named simon peter and simon peter is like he was like not even b-team material But yet Jesus steps into a boat with him and calls him to follow him. And Peter, he he gets this new name and, and he makes these acknowledgments of who Jesus is and acknowledges that it's only Jesus that has words, that speaks words of eternal life. And there's this moment later on after Jesus gives these final instructions about, about uh, waiting for the Holy Spirit and, and making disciples. It's after that that Peter, he's, in this, he's at this house in, in, in a place called Joppa and, and uh, he's in this upper, room, this upper room and man, he's getting hungry. And he starts praying. And he has this vision of this like sheet coming down from heaven. And like, on this sheet is like all sorts of like creatures that they're like lobsters and I don't know, like I'm just, I'm, they were considered unclean. Um, so there's like, you know, pigs and lobsters, lobster and, and, you know, cows, whatever. And, and God says, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter's like, no, no, dude. I haven't touched anything that's ever been unclean. I've never done anything like that. In the Damien version, it says, you know, peel and eat. Because, you know, I you know, kind of the crustacean thing. Um, but uh, but uh, anyway, uh, so, you know, God says, you know, Peter, Peter, kill and eat. And, and three times Peter's like, no, Lord, I've never touched anything unclean. I've never done that. Why would I start now? Like, I know I'm hungry, but I'm not hangry. I'm not like angry and hungry. And, uh, and, and, and each time God says, don't call Anything unclean that God has made clean. He's preparing Peter for this moment that's going to happen. He's going into the house of a Roman official, a Gentile. This was complete, this was complete cultural no no. He's preparing him for this moment that God is about to bust open the kingdom of what he is spreading the gospel. Don't call anything unclean that God has made clean. If God is redeeming something, get on board with it. I might go so far as to say, and I did this in first service, and I'll do this here because I'm an equal opportunity, you know, speaker here. (laughs) And I think I have enough permission to speak like this to you guys, right? Okay. So I would go so far as to say, like, in Christ, there is no first service or second service. In Christ, there is no contemporary or traditional. In Christ, there is no flags or no flags. In Christ, there's none of this garbage that separates us, okay? So two words that we need to to remember when considering these things, stop it. In Christ, there's no division. There should be no division. If, If something is redeemed by Jesus, stop dogging it. Like, I hate country music. You know this about me, I can't stand it. But if Jesus is being honored in that style, then I'll just, I'll slap my knee, I'll get my washboard, you know, I don't even know what you do with country music. But I'll do it! I'll do it because if Jesus is a part of it, that's the thing that I wanna be a part of. Therefore, in consideration of all this stuff, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And all above all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Are you seeing this picture here? So at the very start, we're talking about putting our minds on things above. We're putting God first the things that he cares about, his heartbeat, his mind, his plans for things, we're putting him first and putting to death the the things of the the human nature, the sinful nature, and putting those things to death and allowing, allowing God to transform us in there. There's transformation by the power of the Holy Spirit in clothing ourselves with compassion and kindness and humility, gentleness, patience, and forgiveness. We're putting on ourselves a love for people And then finally, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Since members of one body, you are called to peace. Paul actually uses this body language in a couple of his other letters. More, most notably in First Corinthians 12, where he says, "You don't you know you are the body of Christ? Like You're many parts, and you all work together, and you have to work together, and not one is more important than the other, and not one can say to another, hey, I don't need you, and not one can say to the other, hey, you're not this, so you don't belong, you can't do that. You are the body of Christ. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are a part of something that is so much greater than than yourself, it's not about you. It's about us in this thing together and working together. And how ridiculous is it to say, hey, you know what, Um, I'm a hand, but uh, but you're a nose, so we don't need you. Nose is really gonna be feeling it when it's itchy. (laughs) If we are the body of Christ, if we as the church are meant to be united in peace, let's do it, okay? Like, it's not, it's not rocket science, let's do this. You've been called to peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful, be thankful. Guys, I gotta tell you, I'm so thankful for all y'all that's the southern alabama years coming out so thankful for all y'all up in y'all <laughs> now I'm, I'm so thankful for the church for the body of believers for the fellowship that there is for the community because none of us were meant to do this alone I'm thankful because we get to do this together. We get to be the church together. We get to honor the name of Jesus together. We get to do all of these things together for a particular reason. And we're gonna get to the so what here in just a second. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts, To God and whatever you do, whatever you do. I love that word whatever. I love that word whatever, not because it's like a you know throwback to the 90s and you know the hand and all that, but but it's all inclusive. Whatever you do, in everything you do, in word or deed. do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There's the essence of discipleship in here, of training up other people and of doing these things so that we live joyfully. Because honestly, Nobody wants to be like the stereotypical church person. Nobody wants to become them. You know the person that I'm talking about—the person that's stingy and grumpy, and and like always has like a cuttingly cutting thing to say—and you know, nobody wants to be that person. But people do want to be like Jesus. So what? Why all this stuff? Why all this talk about the church? Why all this talk about? loving God and loving people? Why all this talk about being transformed by the Holy Spirit? Why all this talk about making disciples? What does it matter if we're just a blip? It matters because this is practice for the end game. It matters because this is preparation for the end game. Do you know that the things that we get to do here on an elemental level, we're going to be doing those things for all of eternity. And so these moments that we share together when we're like worshiping in song and when we're encouraging each other and we're sharing our stories and and when we're generous with one another, did you know that we're going to get to do that in the presence of God? We're going to get to do that for all of eternity. Like, heaven isn't just this, like, you know, playground place. We're not going to Disneyland for all eternity. I mean, yeah, it's going to be pretty awesome. I mean, yeah. But we, we're going to get to go to this place where we get to interact with the one who spoke, and there's light, and who breathed, and there's life, and who, you know, got down in the dirt, and he made man, and who created all this crazy stuff. We're going to, to be with him. And I know that like every one of us has like that question that we want to ask God once we get there. We're like, hey, why would you blah, blah, blah? I think a lot of it's going to be like, you're really tall. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be like that. Uh, but I do know that we're going to be in a there's gonna be a wonder that's there, a joy, a celebration, eternal celebration. And folks, I'm not content to go there alone. So what? Why should we actually be the church? Why should we actually do the things that the church is called to do? And why should we actually be the thing that, that the church is called to be? Because it's supposed to be the most life giving and generous group of people on the face of this earth. It's supposed to be the representation of Jesus. We're supposed to be his bride. And I'm not content going alone. And I don't think it's enough for us to just cloister in to our little gatherings and our little meetings. Well, what we do here is great. It is. It's really good. And there are a lot of things that we get to be involved in here. This is all practice for eternity. where we get to share the story. You know that song I talked about earlier in the service? There's a part close to the end that says my sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole is nailed to that cross and I bear it no more. Even so, it is well with my soul. Folks, it's time for us to be the church because when we're the church, we're the most life-giving and generous group of people in which everyone can find their fit. And we get to serve each other and we get to serve our communities, and we get to love richly, and be generous, boldly generous. We get to do these things, because one day, we're gonna be doing them, but we're gonna be doing them physically present with Jesus. So church, can we do that? Can we be the church? I think we can. We're gonna need help. We're gonna need each other. We're gonna need to step up in a bunch of ways. We're gonna need to step out in a lot of ways. But let's do this. Because one day I wanna be standing in the presence of God with all of you. And I want there to be people in our midst that are there because they've had connection with you and they've had connection with me And that they've come into a life-giving understanding of who Jesus is and have allowed themselves to be transformed because God is transforming us. It's not because we were right. It's just because we were Jesus's. Church, let's do that. Because it's there that you find your fit. And it's there that we all fit together when we're being the church that loves God and loves people and is transformed, and, is making, and we're making disciples. Our minds are set on Jesus first, and Jesus alone. I'm gonna invite the worship team up to close us. Would you stand with me, and I'm gonna ask you to do something that may seem a little uncomfortable. I'm gonna ask everybody to, to close their eyes and, and bow their heads, and, and I wanna ask a question. And, and that question is, is, is very simple. Like, I, I asked you all, can we do this? Can we, can we be the, the church? But I want to ask you, as, as everybody has their, their heads bowed and eyes closed, if you want to join me this morning and say, hey, you know what? I want to put my mind and my heart on things above, I wanna be about the things that God is about. I wanna put aside, maybe it's sin, maybe it's things that separate you in relationships. Maybe it's just that like, church has just kind of been fire insurance. It's been a get out of hell free card. But maybe this morning is a morning where you say, hey, you know what, I want, this to, I, that, I want that to make sense. I want this whole thing to make sense and I want to follow Jesus. I want to put my mind and my heart on things above. I want to do this. I want to love God, I want to love people. I want to be transformed, I want to make disciples. If that's you, would you raise your hand this morning? Awesome. All around the room, let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the way that you are raising up this church. And God, I thank you that it is not just taking place in this building that there are other places on this Sunday morning, other other brothers and sisters who are making that commitment and making the dedication to follow after you. May we be united. May we be centered on you. May we put you first. May nothing else matter. God, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. so much for, uh, for tracking with us throughout this series as we've looked at uh, who we are as the church and, and who we need to be and it's hard stuff but it's worth it it's good it's life giving and we're going to have an opportunity here in, in, in the foyer and don't run off, uh, I know that like we, we ran a little bit late this morning but I'm going to actually ask ministry leaders, if you would go ahead and go out to the, your tables out there. We have all sorts of opportunities to connect with the, the local church here. And whether it's serving in, in some place like youth ministry or in like the technical end of things like sound or visual media, or maybe it's stuffing bulletins. Maybe you just like really love greeting people, whatever it is, there's, there's a fit for you. And I would really encourage you to, to go out there, talk to a ministry leader, ask some questions, find your fit as being a part of the church so that we can serve each other. We can serve shoulder to shoulder together to be that church, to be the bride of Christ. Be blessed as you go from here this morning.